Well, 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 well. It is officially season two after almost a year since the first launch. And it has been a road. Sobriety is sobriety and recovery is fucking messy. And wild. Um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely wild. And I have been depressed for basically my whole life, I believe, and wasn't treating it, thinking that, oh, it was just alcoholism. And, um, and that didn't help me as I continued to go on recovery. And, you know, mental health really matters. And people who tell you if you're in the program and can't take medication for your depression, they can fuck right off because it has saved my <laughs> life multiple times. Um, so yeah, I'm here to talk to you about, about it all, about my relapse, about anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, all the fun and shiny things of life in, in your twenties. Um, and I'm here with like one of my best friends in the whole world. Aww. Adriana, who, um, it's funny. We, we recorded this podcast like seven days after my relapse. I wanted to do like a Dax Shepard thing where I was like, <laughs> like seven days. I'm a changed woman. And then like, we didn't really even know each other very well, but we were like getting to know each other. So it was kind of, um, it was just, it was, um, it was sweet. I would say it was sweet getting to know each other because it sparked us and our friendship, but it was very awkward. Um, <laughs> It really was. It was very awkward. And I was like, I thought that my relapse had taught me everything. And like, I was <laughs> changed after seven days of my relapse. So I think a lot has changed since February, what was probably February 14th, 2021. Um, and this woman is literally one of my best friends. Aww. And I know, I don't know what I would do without you. So this is, this is she. Hello, I'm Adriana. <laughs> um, thank you for that intro. Met Mel, um, gosh, a year ago. And, or no, gosh, what am I talking about? I met Mel two years ago. We both came in in 2019 into the program. Are we allowed to talk about the program here? Yes. I do it here. And, um, and, um, and Mel just like it sort of embodied this like immense and like beautiful authenticity for me. Hmm. Um, or I'll talk to you directly. I, I'll stop referring to you in third person, but I met, I met you and you <laughs> just had this like immense authenticity and authenticity is like something that I have spent a really long time in my life thinking about and seeking. Um, my, it's like something I worked on in therapy. Um, just being comfortable with, uh, and my authentic self. And you just like move through the world with so much of that. And I really admired mm -hmm. that from, you know, when I met you and, um, and I was kind of like, Oh man, this person is so cool. I want us to be friends, but I don't know if I'm cool enough, but <laughs> now we're friends. And I'm so happy about that. Huh? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, uh, and you're so right about our first interview. It was a little bit awkward. <laughs> I, I, I felt like, man, I really want to get to know this person. I wish we could have like coffee and <laughs> like before you're like, tell me about your relapse and all of the emotions behind it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, but we've had coffee since we've had, we've had days in the sun. We've had, uh, we've had lunch and we've eaten a lot of hummus together. I think Yeah, uh, a lot of guac. We've gone to the beach and through that all, I've come to see that Mel is still just a paragon of authenticity. She, uh, you really like have... <laughs> this sort of, uh, this beautiful energy of like, I'm me, so that's fine. That's it. That's, that's great. In fact, and it's just something I find really awesome. And, um, Dude. that I really look up to. And so I've become, I'm so grateful for you. The other thing is like, God, very few people listen the way you do. You really mm. listen and you ask the right questions. Um, 
And there are few people I feel that I can go to with like something true and hard to say. And whenever I bring that kind of thing to you, you just see me so fully and Mm. offer something that really, you know, just captures it all or says something. And you know, what's crazy. I used to be the opposite of that. Like I was incapable of being able to show up for other women and not be able to, like, it was just so self-absorbed all the time. And I was so scared of other people not liking me. And like, I still am, of course, um, that I would just change everything about me. And honestly, it was just like, so like clingy and like, I needed people to like me for me, for me to like myself. And now I just get to show up and, um, and just be, and I've somehow gravitated these bomb ass ladies who like me for all my weird, I don't know, fart jokes and commentary about weird sex. I don't know. Not weird sex. (laughs) Anywho. um, Okay. But I'm sure people don't want to hear compliments of me. (laughs) So uh, yeah. um, Ask me some questions. Okay. So here we are. Um, So I guess we should start with the uh, general, a general question. Tell me about your relapse. I would love to hear now. Yeah. Well, great question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Relapse is shite and it was absolutely necessary. I, it was long overdue. So I'm going to get real honest. I, so I herniated my disc in my back last August. And this was after I'd hit my one year and I was just like feeling good, but like, I don't know, almost like egotistical about how good I was feeling. Like I was riding this high. It was just, it was odd. Cause I felt a little bit empty. It's like, okay, what's next? Like I still had that big void in me. Um, so anywho, I hurt my back. They'd sent me to the, the ER. I literally, we had to call an ambulance cause I couldn't, I couldn't move. Um, and they shoot me up with dilated. I might be saying that wrong, but it was great. And I was like, Oh my God, I have arrived. And they gave me like three shots. It was amazing. It was like a literally what I felt from alcohol, but from another drug and like, it's not a relapse. I was in excruciating pain. Like it's fine. Um, and so they sent me home with oxy and, um, shit got dark real quick. Uh, and I was taking it as prescribed in the beginning and, um, yeah, it was like maybe on day four, I was able to see a complete shift in who I was like literally waiting until the 30 minute, like the, like the minute mark for me to get that extra pill. And like, I didn't think I was an addict. I, I literally thought I was an alcoholic, but just that, like that escape that I felt in that ER, even though I was in excruciating pain, like I was still craving it. Like I still didn't, I still wasn't content with me. Anywho, day six comes along and I decided to take two instead of one. Um, and it was great. And then I was like, I hated myself, took that to my grave and, uh, just stopped everything cold Turkey, you know? Cause I was like, I can't continue that. And it was, I was on them for what, six days, like people who are addicted to like oxys and they have to withdraw after using them for years. Like I, it was, it was bad after six days and I was super depressed and like so anxious, uh, also just like hated myself. Right. So I took that to my grave and they continued to give me muscle relaxers. Um, and I needed them. Like I was still in pain. My back was pretty fucked, but, um, I was like, I don't know. It was, I was taking the max allowed allotted dose for the day, like in one, um, it was just like, I was not so like, I wasn't, I wasn't sober. Like I, I wasn't, I don't know how else to describe it. I was like trying to convince myself that I was, that I was doing it because I was like in pain and I, I was, but I I really just desperately wanted that escape. Um, so this relapse, which actually happened last August, (laughs) um, well, well, I would assume like, sorry, she just gave me big eyes. I mean, I took two instead of one that day. So I still count that, you know, 
Anywho, so the one that happened in February, my new sobriety date is February 8th. I've decided it's February 8th. I keep forgetting my fucking date. Uh, February 8th, 2021. I have a, a calendar reminder every month on the 8th that says, it's your fucking milestone, you twat. And my sponsor was like, you should be a bit nicer. And I'm like, dude, I forget every single month. And I say that it's my birthday on like the 4th. And people are like, no, it's not. <laughs> Anywho, so my sobriety is February 8th, 2021. Um, I was so depressed. Like, I don't think I ever got out of depression and I had so much sickness. Like I was, I felt like, I felt like I had the flu all the time, losing my hair. Like I I could not like stay awake for more than two hours a day, like sick as fuck. Um, and I, I just like the idea at first, the doctors were like, uh, just ruling out a bunch of shit. I don't know. Autoimmune sleep deprivation, all this stuff they thought it might be autoimmune anywho. Um, and I like, wasn't willing to think that it was depression and anxiety. Like I was like, there's no fucking way. Like it's not going to manifest in my body that way. Um, and then like end of December, I started to think like, I don't want to do this. I just, I don't, I, I couldn't imagine again, mind you, for those who have heard my story, I wanted to kill myself when I came into the rooms. Like I, I it was either like, not drink and hate my life or kill myself. And I chose the latter, which is good. But, um, I just was like, I don't really want to do this. I don't, I don't understand the point. It seems endless, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people felt this way in in COVID, but this was just, I just felt empty. I felt really empty and so disconnected from a power that was greater than myself. Um, and I was juggling like a really intense, venture capital job that, um, it was killing me. Like, I mean, I, I, I just, I literally couldn't do it all. And I was so good. Like I, in my mind, I wanted everybody to think that I was doing okay. Like doing great. Like I was kicking ass at my job. I got a great review in November. You know, I, I wanted to like prove to my parents that I was doing well. That's why I didn't say anything after that second pill back in August. Didn't tell my sponsor because like, you know, I was just terrified that people wouldn't think that I was okay. And I wasn't like, the truth is I was depressed as fuck. Here I come along borderline suicidal again. And I, um, I needed help, which like, I I was so ashamed of to need that help in sobriety. Like here I've come to this breaking point of like suicidal ideation again. Anywho, my mom got really sick, uh, unexpectedly. Um, and it landed her in the hospital and it was just like this big crescendo where I didn't, it was crazy. I had no, I've had no desires to drink only when I'm like really dehydrated. Am I like, wow, margarita sounds good, but then I just drink like some water and I'm fine. But my, the idea of, of like, like oxys, it was just, it sounded so good. Um, and I knew where some were in my mom's underwear drawer and she was in the hospital and I was like, you know what? This is an emergency. I, you know, I got her there at like two in the morning. It was so chaotic. I didn't know what to do. And so I just took one and one turned into two and two turned into three. And by Sunday, like I, I just, I fucking, I hated myself more so than I thought I ever could. Um, and it's so crazy. Like, like it's been what, six months and I have so much, um, what's the word sympathy, not sympathy. Like I just want to hold that little person. Like I just needed help. I needed so much help (laughs) and I wasn't asking for what I needed and I wasn't connected. I don't have to play a game. I don't have to show up and pretend to be something that I'm not. I don't have to, you know, like this growth that I think I was trying to put my, like the growth box that I was trying to put myself in. It's just, that wasn't where I was at. I don't need to be perfect after a year of sobriety, after a year and a half of sobriety. Um, I have a lot of shit to keep working on and there's so much trauma. Like I'll let, I'll give you guys a little insight into what my life looks like now. I have therapy twice a week. I see an energy healer. I see a psychiatrist. I see a functional medicine doctor. And I don't know, I think that might be it, but that's a lot. Anywho, um, <laughs> I, so yeah, uh, was that a raised hand? That was a high five. Um, And I just like the disgust that I had for myself. I just, I literally didn't think that I, I don't know how to describe it. Let me think about this for a minute. 
I just remember waking up and literally throwing up, not from the drugs. I don't think from the drugs, actually, who knows, but from anxiety. Cause I just, I was like, there's no way I'm going to take this to my grave because no one can know. Um, it doesn't count. Like it doesn't count. No one has to know because it's not alcohol. And this was like a one-time thing. Like you took care of the pills, you put it all back correctly. Like it's fine. It's fine. And just like talking myself off this ledge of insanity. And then I had this moment of epiphany where I was like, who the fuck are you doing this for? Like, who are you doing this for? And I don't think for once since I've gotten sober, have I genuinely thought that I have deserved sobriety. Like, I think that I was doing it. I mean, for me, obviously like, great. I I didn't want to die, but it was just for other, like for other people. Like I wanted everyone else to know that I was going to be okay. And like, this was my moment of clarity where it was like, I, I am allowed, (laughs) I am warranted the opportunity to actually take the time to heal myself. Like I'm not a piece of shit. I'm not the scum of the earth, even though like I have gained in the two years, all this self-love and self-worth. I don't think it had really clicked in my head that like, I genuinely like all of my past mistakes, all the fucked up things that I've done doesn't mean that I don't get the opportunity to heal. Like I, I, I get that. And so I, you know, all my list of reasons was like, I don't want to disappoint my dad. My mom's going to be so fucking sad that she was in the hospital. And, you know, like I, I couldn't imagine what if my boyfriend leaves me like the laundry list of reasons, but not one of those was like, what about me? Until I had that moment of clarity. And I was like, all right. Uh, I guess we're going to call my sponsor and um, just shaking. I just, that, that amount of the depth of shame was so much deeper than alcohol because I realized how much help I still needed, even though I was like, quote unquote, doing all the right things, which I wouldn't say taking drugs while you're in recovery is like the way to do things, but like putting in the quote unquote work. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I know what you mean about doing it right, about this idea that you're doing it right. When there's this sense that, um, we're in recovery now, we're growing with a capital G and we're going to do it perfectly. And, um, that is, that is a great way to back ourselves into a corner where if we mess up, it makes us irredeemable. And then why bother doing anything at all? Yeah. I'm human. Like, could you imagine? And like, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> like, of course people were so sad, but I, like when I just decided to tell, well, so I called my sponsor first. This was one of your questions, right? What the fuck was one of your questions? Yeah. So um, we can go to that question. What was it like to decide to talk about your relapse in meetings and share about it with your sponsor? Yes. Um, it was... Abs- so I called April 1st. Um, I called April 1st and just like I was sobbing on the phone. She knew it was wrong. And I was like, she's going to be so disappointed she's gonna be so disappointed because I lied to her. She's going to be so disappointed that, um, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I knew it was like this woman who had shaped me into what I was and helped me get to where I'm at was finally going to see me crumble. Um, and I was like, fuck, I, I just had all these fears in my head. And, um, she just held me with so much love and kindness that I I just, it was like the first little inkling that showed me that maybe I deserved that love and kindness, you know, that, you know, like everybody makes mistakes. Like here you are, you're, it it was a three day relapse, like not great, but let's get you back on the road and you didn't drink. Like we're here for you. How can I support you? I love you, you know? And to hear that from someone's right. Water drink water drink um and to hear that from someone was what I needed and then I like I didn't tell my family then because my mom had just gotten back from the hospital and it was just it was just a disaster I felt like human garbage like my what I was saying to myself over and over again was like what type of fucked up person 
steals their old pain pills from their mother's underwear drawer when her mom's in the hospital? Like what type of scum of the earth does that? And the answer is an addict and alcoholic. Like (laughs) there's no, there's nothing deeper to go than that. You know, like I I wish that I had implemented more of the tools and had a deeper connection to my HP and like a stronger sense of self so that I didn't get to that point, but I did. And like, that's okay. So I came back home and just, I just, I went to my Tuesday women's meeting and I told them and was just bawling, like telling them all the things that I felt like I I'm, I'm an awful human being. I can't believe I did this. Um, and every single one of them said like, we love you so much, which is crazy. Like to be able to really feel that, like feel the love and support from these women who didn't turn their backs on me and didn't say like, yep, we were expecting that. I don't know. Like it was just so it was the building block that helped me get to good old day seven, where I was like, well, you want to do a, you want to talk about all my growth I've had since my relapse? Um, yeah, I, I was finally able to really see this as an opportunity for me to do this shit for real and to do it for nobody else, but myself and not even like just the program, like the program, of course, but like deeper interpersonal work. Why? Like I'm suicidal, like going to the doctors, figuring out why I feel so fucking sick all the time. Um, and I, I, I figured out that I couldn't do it all and stay sober. So I went on disability and got my shit figured out because I was having panic attacks and there was no way that I could juggle it all. And I'm so grateful that I did that because I mean, I got many diagnoses. They diagnosed me with lupus, then they diagnosed me with fibromyalgia. Now they don't know what the fuck. Um, and I have finally got my mental health generally in order and I'm working with holistic <laughs> Eastern medicine and some Western medicine to really calm down whatever is going on with my physical health. And truly, I think they're just really intertwined. And I'm in a much better place because I was able to take those three months off. And um, I honestly thought I didn't deserve it too. I was like, ah, I don't know. But I would wake up every day on my couch and just be like, I don't understand why people want to get up every day. Like it just didn't occur to me. And um, I don't know. Then I had one really bad day where I called, I think I called my dad and I was like, I'm really scared. Like, I'm really scared. And then we were up in Tahoe and I, I was like, maybe I should go into a mental facility. Like I, I, it got really low. Um, but I was sober, legit sober. Like it felt like I hit rock bottom, but there was more light at the end of the tunnel. Like I knew that there was more if I, if I really stood up for myself. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. Any, any other, any other quick, quick QQs? Well, uh, I have other questions, but I just wanted to respond to something that you, to a theme that emerged when you were talking just now. I mean, the negative self-talk that you, that you talk about experiencing Mm -hmm. like, and how much it doesn't make us better. It makes us sicker and worse. And, you know, I find myself in that a lot, especially, um, when I'm, you know, feeling unproductive in my job search, for instance, or, you know, whatever it is I'm working on that I'm not doing perfectly when I find myself re like reengaging in old negative patterns that I'm like, Oh man, I thought I eradicated this, <laughs> but that negative self-talk doesn't make us better. And one of the most life-saving lines from literature, uh, in the program is, you know, none of us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We are not saints. The point is we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. I so often have just like this huge temptation to throw myself in the garbage whenever I don't feel like I'm doing things perfectly. And I have to remember that, um, that passage because, you know, I'm coming back from like such a weird place Mm -hmm. and, I'm doing things, even when I feel like, oh man, I screwed that up. I'm doing things so much better than I did before. And you are too. I mean, you told somebody about this, you know, you, you asked for help. You were open with people that takes a lot of courage and you did it. And I'm really proud of you. And I'm really proud that you came back because, and I'm really glad you came back because we're friends now. Yeah. Um, All from that awkward <laughs> it's what kicked our, our love our love ship off 
into yeah. gear. I mean, I just, I really, I genuinely thought I was going to take it to my grave because I had taken everything else to my grave, but I, there I, like, there I was, you know, that's why I was saying it was just inevitable because mm-hmm. I was already so, like, so sick. So tricky stuff, man. It's hard. It's hard to, it took a lot of courage to call April, but she like, once I made that initial step, then she gave me a little push. Right. And then you guys gave me a little push. <clears throat> and then I called my dad and told him what happened. He gave me a little push. And um, I'm really lucky that that's what I got. You know, I know the program definitely offers that for, for people who relapse, but I know there's a lot of fear because some people just don't have that support too, you know? And luckily, like I was freaked out that I wouldn't and I did, but um, it's, it takes a lot of courage to want to come back. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of what you've seen in, uh, in program about with people relapsing, I was curious, you know, you've talked a little bit about some things that surprised you, but I was curious what beliefs you held previously about relapse and whether these have turned out to be true or, you know, what surprising things you've found. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think that I was, I think I thought I was above it all. Like I had gotten here and I was going to stay and I knew more than people and I was going to help other people get sober. And I mean, like, these are all great initiatives, Mel, but, um, I just didn't think it would happen to me, which is like, just so self-centered and egotistical. Like I would never judge someone else relapsing. I'd be like, fuck yeah. Like, welcome back, bitch. Let's do it again. But, um, I just was like, oh, but it'll never happen to me, you know? Uh, and now I just, it's just humbling. Like, I just feel humbled. I think a lot of the ego that I had the first time around has been annihilated in a really good way. Not just from the relapse. I mean, the relapse is what kind of started it when you have to, when you have to just show up as a shell of a human being. But like, (laughs) I think what the relapse taught me was like, I don't have to meet, like, I don't have to be at another level other than where I'm at. And I started at ground zero again. Like I wanted to kill myself. And now I'm like, all right, Mel, I literally will ask myself some days, like, how old do you feel? Some days it's 12. Some days it's 26. Some days it's 68. Most days it's five and a half. Like, I just, I, I just, I don't know. Like, I just, I'm just showing up. Like, that's all I have control over. And I know nothing. I literally know nothing. All of my ideas generally are, are fairly idiotic. <laughs> like I'm smart, but like, my first initial thought is not always the best one. And I just have a lot of sympathy and empathy for the people who, who do relapse. Cause I get it. Like this shit is <clears throat> hard. Honestly, I've had a pretty fucking easy run too. Like white girl in San Francisco, like graduated from UC Santa Cruz, you know, like my circumstances have set me up to be successful as an addict and alcoholic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, uh, I don't know. I think the best thing I can do is just, uh, I think I post about this, just not be an asshole and try and show up with as much sympathy and empathy as possible. Cause you never know what fucking people are going through. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that, that sort of, and I, I wonder if that those advantages like fed into this idea that this would never happen to you. I sometimes feel that way. Like, Oh yeah, there's no way I'll relapse. I I I'm I have a therapist. I'm doing this right. I actually am there's no way to do it right, but I'm there's there's no one way to do it right. And like but, um, what a luxury that I have that I go to therapy two times a week. Like that I'm able to that like thank God on my gratitude list is like thank you that I'm allowed to do this because a lot of people don't, you know? Um so I just, yeah, I'm sorry. I think I interrupted you. No, no, that's okay. I was sort of trailing off. Um, (laughs) I was wondering if there's something that you found surprising about the aftermath of your relapse. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think I was expecting it to hit rock bottom the way it did. Like it happened exactly the way it was supposed to, but shit crumbled really quick. Mm. Once I stopped putting up that facade, it was like, I was just down for the count and I needed, I just needed to go on disability. Like here I was again. 
Um, and I laugh a bit at like, I think I really took the opportunity as a great experience of how I could really like fall into myself more, but said like, I was just so excited for it and didn't understand the depth of pain that I still had in me and still do, um, that really needs to be worked on to its full extent. And I mean, I think it's probably going to take my whole life to no one ever fixes everything, you know? Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling, but yeah, I don't know. I, I wish I would have just slowed the fuck down and not worried so much because I have no control over anything and here I am and things are better. Are you surprised to find yourself where you are now, like with how much better you're feeling and how much better things are for you? Yeah. Uh, back to the mental health aspect. I tried seven, eight different medications, one antipsychotic that literally knocked me out for maybe 40, like asleep for 48 hours. Um, and I tried all sorts of stuff and none of it was working. I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm permanently fucked. Um, I just, I didn't think that it was going to work for me. I was going to the doctor, getting all these labs done. They were saying it was lupus. Then they were saying it's fibromyalgia. Then they're saying, we don't know what's wrong with you. Like all of these open ends of like, I, I have no idea if I'm ever going to be quote unquote healed. Um, and I don't think there is a destination ending spot for healing, but I think that I have been guided to where I'm at, you know, like I, there was so much uncertainty and like that was part of the process for me to get to where I'm at. And I will say I'm on Zoloft and 150 milligrams. I don't know why I have to tell you the milligrams, 150 milligrams of Wellbutrin. Um, but it's been like, it's been a mix, right? Like the Zoloft worked for a little bit. And then my, my psychiatrist was like, I just kind of told him some of the feelings like, yeah, I'm just like not really interested in things, but I don't really want to kill myself anymore. And he's like, well, do you feel joy? And I said, can you give me an example of what that would feel like? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and he was like the fact that that's what you answered. Like, I think we should pr- probably tinker with your meds. And I was like, okay, sounds good. Like I would like to enjoy life. And, um, so yeah, anyways, we've added the Wellbutrin and, uh, it was too high at first. Like, I don't know, shitting my pants was no, I didn't actually shit my pants folks on the internet, but uncomfortable situations have occurred. Good thing. It's I'm okay. Watching. If you shit your pants, I've I did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, I was going to ask a question. Actually, I'm going to ask it. Have you shit your pants in sobriety? I've come yeah. so close. Mm-hmm. I've mm. peed my pants. Mm, I might've done that. Well, I peed my pants for a very long time. Like I had a really hard time with bladder control as a child. I was like peeing in my pants until I was like in third grade. Like just, <laughs> I thought you were going to say until you were 30. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I eradicated the problem sooner than that. But like third grade, that's pretty late to like have not have incomplete potty training and like I was super embarrassed about it yeah I was just pee in my pants but um I have pooped in my pants possibly in sobriety definitely there was like one spectacular incident Mm. many years ago that I'll share with you off the air (laughs) (laughs) great I can't wait to hear um yeah it's a pretty great story actually I'm surprised I haven't told it to you before I bet you people are gonna be like tell us the poop story (laughs) (laughs) you got 10 requests for it I'll give you a postscript and I'll I'll tell you the poop story yeah um but uh I and yeah I mean one of the crazy things is like this is the era in which we started to get to know each other and I am so impressed with how you have navigated the uncertainty around your health, like with so much grace. It's so hard to do. Mm-hmm. I have a chronic condition that is not perfectly managed. And I know just from trying to manage that and like having to go back to the drawing board and failing at it and and having to try to figure out what medication to throw at it that's going to work, that is frustrating. But when yes. you have a genuine medical mystery, it's like, mm-hmm. oh my God what next it, you, it's there's so much despair and I am just so impressed with how you've moved through that 
Um, you know, and I also, I love this anecdote about your psychiatrist asking you about joy. <laughs> Uh, because I think for depressive types, like, you know, I, I join you in this category. Um, that is just such a relatable story. Um, but one of the things I think you should know is that you bring so much joy. Mm. I'm going to turn off my camera again to, uh, you bring so much joy. (laughs) I'm not going to cry or anything, although that would be very me, but (laughs) you bring so much joy to the people around you. Like, I remember when you were struggling with finding out that it probably wasn't lupus. You and I went to the beach together and we were like sitting under this like bizarre sun shade that like wouldn't stop being blown around by the wind. And you were just like talking about how frustrated you were, but it was just so warm and beautiful to be in your presence even during that time. So Mm -hmm. I'm just so proud of you for the way you conduct yourself through that uncertainty and that frustration and that, you know, a situation that might, that would reasonably cause a person to despair. That's very special. That's a very special thing about you. Thank you. It's why I suspect you have Leo rising. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) I asked asked her what that meant. I was like, ooh, does that mean like I'm really mysterious? Because I think of myself as mysterious maybe. And she's like, absolutely fucking not. You think you're mysterious? I'm talking about shitting my pants on live podcasts. (laughs) I mean, for some people, that's mysterious, I guess. Like, why would she do that? (laughs) It's a mystery. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) no, it's good. You know what? Mysterious people, I have always aspired to be like them and to be cool enough to sit with them, but we've never really gotten along. So I feel grateful that you're so you know, hard on your sleeve. There we go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I wanted to know if you have any advice for somebody who's returning after either a slip or a relapse, or even just like, who's a little crunchy after spending some time away from the recovery program of their choice. Um, yes, I will say I know nothing, but I can share from my experience. Uh, I'm very grateful. I think that if I wasn't honest up front, I think I would have just continued to relapse, even if it wasn't that day, because the shame just gets to you and it's already one and you're already done with one. So why not do two more, you know? Um, so it's inevitable. Like, don't try and trick yourself into thinking that like, I'll keep this a secret forever. and No one's going to know, you know, that meme where it's like, nobody's going to know. And they're like, they're going to know. And it's like, who's going to know. It's that. <laughs> Uh, you guys are that meme. Just kidding. Um, yeah, just, just like taking that first initial step is honestly the hardest part. Cause you have to put all that fear aside, you know? Um, and yeah, time away from AA. I don't know. I've, there's so many different stories. Um, I know people who haven't been in AA for 12 plus years and they seem to be doing fine. It's kind of like to each their own, but for people who want to come back, Um, I've heard more stories of people hating their lives outside of AA and not coming back than people who have better lives outside of AA and don't come back. Did I say that right? Yes. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Just show up. That's literally all I have to do is just show up. That's it. And not drink or do drugs. That's my, yeah, I think it is surprisingly simple. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how readily people are or how excited people are to welcome back somebody who's spent time away, who's struggling either spiritually or with, um, the actual like nuts and bolts of sobriety, like staying clean and staying, um, uh, you know, not drinking. Um, as long as you come back alive, like, yeah, that's really all that matters. Yeah. You belong here if you if you come back alive and want to be here. Yeah. What is the difference between a slip and a relapse? That's a good question. I, I don't really know. Um, it's like you slipped and then all these pills just 
happen to fall in your mouth. <laughs> oh no. Um, God's will, not my will. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know the answer to that question. I just, I hear people, maybe they're interchangeable, but I hear people talk about them as though they're different. So yeah. Yeah. I probably should get clear on the definitions of those terms before I go around using them. You know, but, I was very, when I hit my, like what would be my two year anniversary, I was like, I'm going to post that I haven't had alcohol in whatever 365 times two is 700 and something. Uh, 730. There we go. 30. Thank you. 730 days. But like, that's great, Mel. I'm glad I didn't drink all my relapse. So like, it's still a fucking relapse. Like, you, I'm happy that I didn't take a sip of alcohol during my relapse. But like, it, I don't know. I just feel like it doesn't really count, you know? So, um, I also wanted to know, you know, you and I talk some about spirituality. Um, and when we did our first version of this interview, you were really on like a spiritual awakening. You were on the crest of the wave of a spiritual awakening. Mm-hmm. I would love to know what that looks like for you now. and you know, are you in a new chapter of it? Are you having a, a fresh spiritual awakening? Like, what has it been like? And, and what does that feel like for you? Yes. Um, when you, when we, I had a, I had a hint, a hinch, I had a hunch that um, maybe the first go around wasn't going to be all that great because you were like, well, what, like, what spiritual things are you doing to, to make yourself feel better? I was like, oh, for the past five days I've been meditating in the morning. (laughs) It's like, oh man, with my five days of wisdom for my spiritual experience, let me tell you guys. Um, I have been, I, this is like, I don't know. I feel bad because water is precious, but I'm going to let you guys know. I take a bath literally every day. I wake up in the morning and I put in my Epsom salts and I listen to Abraham Hicks or I turn on insight timer and I just chill out for 45 minutes. I don't think I've missed a day. Um, and that is what I do in the mornings. And I've just been like trying to set out the intentions as much as possible and fill my life as much as possible with things that I think I'm very aligned with. Um, listening to a shit ton of podcasts about all these, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I was going to say astronomy, but astronomological is what was going to come out of my mouth. Uh, like Lionsgate is today. And I've been like prepping internally. And like, I went on this long hike, just trying to, I don't know, trying to stay as solid as possible and utilize whatever the fuck is out there thinking that maybe it'll help me and like staying open and curious. Cause like, I don't know if, I don't even know if this Lionsgate Ascension thing is real, but it is in my world. We'll see. We'll see if I, if I level up. Um, and just like the rigorous honesty, I think what's been really huge this time is, is me not faking where I'm at. You know, when I feel five years old, I really honor that. Like I take care of five-year-old Mel. And sometimes that means not doing shit for a day. Other days that means crying other days that means three to four baths um and yeah it's just like I've, i have felt very very connected to a power greater than myself even at the lowest points like when i didn't know what the fuck was going on with my health when i still wanted to kill myself it's like there was a little bit more hope this time because i know that there's more like it was like there's more out there and i know that it's possible um and it just isn't today you know and i also have the support of all of you guys and my partner and my family. But um, yeah, and I am having a spiritual awakening and it's very subtle. It is, um, I think what is, it's like a spiritual awakening, but it, it really just feels like a, a stronger, stable sense of self. Like I'm just kind of falling into alignment with myself, um, with little to no ego. I don't really know how to explain it, but it feels very calm. Um, I think, you know, you've highlighted something important about the spiritual awakening, which is that it looks so different for everyone. Yeah. And, um, 
And that sometimes it's really subtle. I love that. I love that memory because I think when I, you know, started praying and, and was looking for that, I was looking for something huge. Some, I was looking for the universe to sort of smack me in the face, but you're right that sometimes it, it, what it looks like and can feel like is like, Oh wow, I'm taking better care of myself now. That's new. And that feels good. Um, and you know, um, that, that takes a second, like once you start expecting the spiritual awakening, it can take a second to sort of adjust your expectations to even be looking for the right thing. Yeah. Or be open to receiving the right thing, I guess. Exactly. Um, I think it's more like, okay, this doesn't feel right, but it will feel right. You know, like I don't feel good right now, but it'll shift eventually more of just like an openness to uncertainty. Yeah. 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 Openness to uncertainty is a big one. Um, and I love what you said about taking care of five-year-old Mel. That's so mm. important. I don't do a very good job of taking care of my inner child, yeah. so to speak, but I try to keep her safe by like keeping people at, at a distance, mm-hmm. but, um, but actually taking care in a positive way is much harder. So I think that's a big part of it too. I like that you highlighted that. Mm. Um, so I would love to hear more. I mean, I don't know if you'll keep this, but yeah. Um, the, the lion's gate, how, can we talk about the lion's gate? Ooh, yeah, or is like, this well, not something you feel comfortable talking about? No, I do. Okay. So these are like the source messages that I'm getting. I'm probably going to take this out because it's very woo woo. Okay. Um, okay. Hold on, hold on, hold up. Well, I think I've sent you a lot of it. Okay. So today, August 8th, 8, 8, right. Uh, a very powerful high dimensional portal is open that can help you to step into your most empowered self. If you stay open, receptive, and willing to change, you'll be effortlessly guided towards your best life. To receive these activations, you must be willing to surrender your ego, your old energy, and your fear towards your own power. As you allow yourself to be guided towards your most aligned, you unlock your dormant DNA and unlearn the blocks or limitations of your third dimensional existence. You're always being encouraged to feel the warmth, support, and potency of the higher beings around you and know that as you claim yourself to be ready, your full potential will be activated, felt in your waking life. Courage, strength, resilience, resiliency, authenticity, royalty, love, and abundance. That's wow. That's today. Maybe I will keep it. I don't really give a shit if people think I'm woo-woo. I think woo-woo is great. I think woo-woo means you're open to different types of different, you know, uh, prisms through which to look at the world. Yeah. Um, I really embraced astrology when I got sober. Cause I was like, I don't know, maybe, maybe the planets <laughs> affect how I feel and what I'm like, like, exactly. sure. Why not? What's the worst thing that's going to happen if I continue to be more aligned with myself and journal my thoughts and feelings like, maybe I'll level up and be ascended. Totally. <laughs> heavens. And knows? I also kind of find that with astrology, your brain can make whatever meaning of it it wants. Yeah. So even if it's just total nonsense, like my brain is still taking something valuable from it. There's a, there's an astrologer that I really like that I've told you about. Her name is Amber Khan Mm. and she goes by the, uh, name, the quietest revolution Mm. and her, she does tarot readings for each sign every month. And her Aquarius reading for August was exactly what I needed to hear on that day. It was, I had just come off a call with my therapist about, you know, my professional stasis and how frustrated I am and how afraid I am of putting myself out there. And it was her, the whole thing was about fear, was about moving past fear. And it was about taking care of myself. And I was like, wow, this was in response to what I was doing. So I don't know, maybe the planets are doing something and it came through in her cards, this like, strange woman who lives in Denmark and does this, you know, for a living. So I love that. And I love this, uh, Lionsgate concept. It's, it sounds like just about time for a lot of us. It is. I mean, there's just, I feel like there's so much transition. I don't know. I just feel like I'm ready. Whatever's, whatever's next. Even if it's beautiful. I've been really loving my oatmeal in the mornings as of late. Ooh, what do you put in your oatmeal? 
So I've been putting in nectarine, like little chopped nectarines and blueberries and some honey. Ooh, that's a nice combo. Yeah. I'm saying that because that's the only thing I can think of for tomorrow that I know will happen. Love it. Yeah. I mean, it's good to have things that tether you to the real, I guess. Like, have you ever tried crushing raspberries into your oatmeal? No. They're great because they're very crushable and they make, you know, like a nice swirl in your oatmeal. Um, well, I feel like we should, we should, I mean, you and I can talk after cause we can talk forever, but yeah, I don't know how long these people want to hear us. So, um, I think we've covered a lot of ground and I thank you so much for asking me to do this with you. I feel so honored and grateful for the opportunity to hear your story through this, through this lens. Yeah. I mean, you're one of my favorite people all from that one, uh, kind of awkward podcast recording session, <laughs> like six months ago. Uh, and I would love to have you on the podcast so you can share your experience. I would love that. That would be wonderful. Uh, let me know when, and I'm, I will, I'm around. Yeah. Okay. Now I have to like schedule people again. I have to, I have to like do this now. <laughs> Jesus. That's great though. You meet a lot of people that way. Yeah. I'm Social sure. media has been cool. It's been awesome. Um, alrighty then fellow podcast folks, we will uh, see you next time. Thank you, Adriana. Thank you, Mel. Great to hear you. And yeah. <laughs>